Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings and welcome to another wonderful episode of Tapping Into Spirit. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith. And I'm your co-host, Glenda Jones. And we are welcoming you to another wonderful conversation about spirit and the way spirit manifests in our lives and the lives of all that we come into contact with. This afternoon, we are joined by Sehu Kepera Ankh, and he is going to have a conversation with us about ancient Egyptian spiritual system tradition. He'll, he'll get more into detail about what that is and how it manifests in our lives and the importance of it. Um, we had the pleasure of uh, meeting him on a on my first journey, on your first journey too, to Egypt. Um, we were um, fortunate enough to be able to accompany his group. Um, they were doing a tour, or a study a study tour. Um, where he had students that were being taught um, ancient Egyptian traditional medicine. And we were allowed to accompany and learn. And I must say it was quite amazing um, the amount of information that we absorbed and the experiences that we had. It absolutely uh, changed our lives. Um, and so we wanted to be able to give an opportunity to talk about this with a, a broader audience so that other people could also um, have the opportunity to understand what this ancient Egyptian comedic system is all about. So we thank you for joining us today, brother. How are you doing? I'm well, how are you? Absolutely wonderful, absolutely wonderful. So. Um, I talked a little bit. I, I, I want to first have you give an overview of, um, I probably didn't give it justice. <laughs> so if you can give a, a better overview of what the system is and what, what it's about. All right. <clears throat> so the, what it's about, I think that's a, a good angle to start, uh, to approach this a very massive topic from uh, so what it's about is assisting a human being to go through a spiritual evolutionary process by which they discover their true divine nature their divine essence and they have to go through an initiatory process uh, with a specific uh, temple narrative or a specific uh, school of thought of the ancient Egyptian mystery system mm -hmm. that reveals in a progressive, gradual manner the depth and the profundity and the true nature of the human soul. So it's about discovering our like who we are essentially mm. discarding the, the discarding the 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 broad conceptual uh, uh, imputation of I to discover the deeper underlying essence of the truth 
and the source of from which the I has emerged from. Mm. And in doing so, you discover that the I is 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 actually illusory and not the the principal uh, identity of a human being. Okay. The ancient sages from ancient Egypt discovered that that human existence was fleeting and human existence was quite painful and so they uh they they started to meditate and perform their researches to come up with ways to alleviate the human condition allow human beings to discover their true divine nature and there's a, a an ancient egyptian teaching parable that says men and women are gods and goddesses and gods and goddesses are mortal men and women and what that means is that human beings are actually divine beings mm -hmm. but they ascertain themselves to be human beings and in that improper ascertainment they live a life of of pain and suffering and uh, unrighteousness and untruth and delusion and that causes more pain and more suffering and more unrighteousness. Uh, so the, the whole temple system is designed to help to alleviate the, the fundamental ignorance that separates the human mind from discovering its true essence. And when the mind discovers its true essence, it realizes that it is a function of the deeper reality and not the reality itself. Hmm. So all of us walking the earth have to deal with this process. Uh, deal with this process and deal with this problem, this problem of human existence. And if people essentially turn away from dealing with this problem of human existence, they continue in the cycle of pain and suffering, which then uh, equates or turns into a larger cycle of birth and death. So being born, dying, reincarnating, dying, reincarnating, dying. And so it's, it's quite a vicious cycle, but within that cycle, you have the, the opposites of pain and pleasure. But if you examine it closely, you find out that your pleasures are actually pains in a different mode or a different way of operation because the pleasure is actually leads to pains. And so it's a, it's a fundamental human problem. And most people essentially turn away from this until life becomes so unbearable or, or they become so dispassionate because of, 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 of unfulfillment that they, they delve deeper into discovering the, the true mystery of the soul. And there's a, a, a vast myth uh, that is called the myth of uh, uh, Aset and Ra. And Aset was a woman. She wasn't a goddess as yet. And she had gained all the knowledge that there, is, that there was to gain about the world, its operations, its sciences. And she knew things about the divinities because she knew uh, words of power, the mantras, Hekau. But she, she still was unfulfilled because she didn't, she had not yet realized the true essence behind all of the temp temporal manifestations that were presenting themselves to the senses, the sense operations. And so she went to Ra and she inquired into his divine essence and discovered that, that Ra was actually a temporal reflection of a deeper underlying reality. So the point in saying that is that uh, Aset had to inquire into the true nature of self. She had to go through the process of inquiry. And all human beings who want to relieve themselves of this fundamental problem of human existence uh, must walk the path of inquiry into spirit. Okay. So what you're sharing with us this all comes from ancient, ancient, ancient teachings, which um, are still evident in the various temples across Egypt. Is that correct? 
yes, they are evident and it depends upon which temple you go into uh, where you'll be able to find the full narrative in, 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 in full bloom or at least part of it. So the temple of Asar is the, the, the temple of Abydos, the last temple that we visited. As you know, we walked through the, uh, the temple matrix and the temple pattern. Mm -hmm. uh, and we went to the temple of Luxor and there's some of it still there. Uh, and even in some of the most dilapidated temples, if you know what to look for, you can find semblance, a semblance of the teaching of the philosophy there. Uh, but not only that, we have hieroglyphic texts that have survived. We have writings from Greek historians that have survived. Uh, we have notes that were taken by Greek students of the ancient Egyptian mysteries that have survived. So through all of that, we tried to, to try to put things together mm -hmm. and rediscover this, this mystic path. Mm -hmm. Okay. How long have you been on this journey that you're on, um, learning what you learn and then sharing that information? Well, uh, back in 2002, well, back in the year 2000, I discovered a book and the book was called uh, Egyptian Yoga by Dr. Muata Ashby. And I did not read the book uh, for about uh, six or eight months or so. I, I, I found a book by a friend and I took his book and I was living in Florida at the time. And uh, I wanted, in the year 2000, I wanted to move back here to St. Croix. So uh, he said, I want my book back. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to give him his book back. And I, I didn't read it, I just flipped through it. And I bought my own copy and I brought it back to St. Croix with me. And, uh, and sometime in August of 2000 or something like that, uh, I sat, I started about five, one day I saw about five, five in the afternoon, and I read the whole book through from page to page. I ended like at four in the morning because it was so gripping and so enthralling. And so, uh, so the, the, the energy of the, of the teaching was all there. Uh, and then after that, so I called the author, I started talking to him and uh, he, he told me he was doing an initiation. And so in the year 2000, I went to actually meet him and to uh, become initiated. The reason why I called him was because I wanted to start to write books. And he had written a book on how to write books. I wanted to ask some questions. And then he said, you know, I'm doing a, an initiation uh, in Off Alabama. And so in 2002, I traveled to Av, and I, I met him and his wife, Dr. Karen Ashby, and uh, I was initiated into the, 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 the teaching at that point. And from there, I started to delve deeper into the study and the, the mystical philosophy. And I, I had the Ari, uh, the karma, to really go into it in an intensive manner. And so since then until now, it, that, that's been going on. So at that time, what was your uh, understanding of spirit and your connection to it before um, reading the book and having your initiation? Where, how, where did you start with your understanding of spirit or where were you at that time? It's a good question. So I started out as a... Was, uh, we grew up Catholic, me, my brother, and my sister, and we didn't take it too seriously. Uh, our, our grandparents were very serious, and our parents <laughs> were less serious, and we were, <laughs> we were even less serious. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, but we we knew that there was that there was something out there. We we knew that there was something more, and so through my developmental ages through high school and all of that I, I put that to the side and then but after college uh i met a, a native american group they had come to my college and they were doing some drumming and they were just drumming and doing their thing 
And so I, I sat with them, not really talking, just being in their presence for a while. And then I started, and then I started uh, uh, walking around this, uh, a, a few months after that, I went to, a, a, to like a book show and there was a person who had written a book on Marcus Garvey. And then he, and he, he was uh, from the Rastafarian, Rastafarian tradition. And so I got into the Rastafarian tradition, but it left me, it left me, uh, you could say in a, in a complex kind of, of position because I was truly searching for something more, but I need a vehicle to help me to get to that. If you don't have the proper vehicle, it can be very troubling. So it was a very so it, it helped me to it brought me to an African consciousness and you know what happened with slavery and all of that, but but I wanted the more and and so it left me kind of trouble searching for the more, so the so it it essentially left me in a place where I had to to seek for something higher, and so that's how I, I you know I continued the search until I found. Uh, ancient Egyptian religion and mysticism. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a process. I had the long hair with the locks and all that that kind of thing. And so I had to work my way through that, through that complexity and through that uh, kind of, of limited, it, it was good, but, but in a limited way, it was good. And if you want to have enlightenment, if you want to have something higher you have to go where there's a complete program and a, and a and a and an authentic path that leads to that so uh luckily for me i had the ru i had the, the karma to push forward to to continue the search instead of saying well this must be it mm -hmm. but i had that i had something in the mind that was compelling and pushing forward and so that's the thing that led you not by accident, but on purpose to tapping into that book, which then propelled you on your journey to where you are now. Right. Uh, as you, you, as you, you, you noted it properly, not by accident, but by the, the, the cosmic flow of life for someone who is sincere. And because I, ha I also had a trouble, trouble, I also had a, a troubled childhood. I had an open heart surgery when I was 11. Hmm. And I had a, a dear uncle that died a couple of years after that. So it was very troubled. But that trouble, the being troubled, uh, led me to want to discover something that could relieve that trouble. And so you, you said it rightly. So it, it's, it wasn't by chance but it was uh, by the, the intention of the, the RU that had been that, that was built up over time that had reached a crescendo with those childhood experiences that were very uh, intense. Hmm. Okay. And so your siblings, um, have they had a similar kind of experience or how, how have you all developed simultaneously as you kind of learned about this and been exposed to it? Well, uh, so I have an older brother and he is, he, he, he has a, he, he likes the comedic system. He, 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 he's a wonderful artist, drawing and painting. So he likes the symbolism. He's made his own t-shirts and so forth. And he likes the, he likes the idea of it. Uh, but he is, he has remained on more of like the Afrocentric side of things. Mm -hmm. And then my sister, she is, she, she dropped the Catholicism, but she picked up her own ideas of Christianity and wants to remain there for now. Okay. So, okay. And, and you'll find that there'll be like one in the family mm -hmm. that has broken through as their the RU is pushing them and then the rest of the family they're just sort of around and, and not digging deeper and so forth mm -hmm. so it's a very common uh, phenomenon that occurs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you all have conversations and discussions about 
um, kind of your various ways of understanding um, spirit and what well, you wouldn't call this a religion, would you? In a classical sense, I would, I would uh, confer it uh, uh, under the, the banner of religion. Okay. And what I mean by that is that if we look at the, the, the Latin of uh, origin of the word religion, we, we come to religio. Mm -hmm. Re means to, to go back to again, and legio means to link. So to go back, to relink. So to relink to the divine, which you can extrapolate that out to yoga, which means to yoke. So to yoke or bind oneself to the divine. Mm -hmm. And to have a proper religion, you need you need a you need a myth. So you need to have a proper myth that was written by by sages. And the myth is a story that within that story reveals deep truths about the essential nature of being. And you need ritual. So myth is called mahnu, and then you need ritual, which is called adu. And a, a ritual is an enactment of the myth. So the priests and priestesses will dress up like the divinities and act out the parts of the ritual, whatever ritual is being done. Uh, and then you need the essential component of this formula, which is the mysticism, and that's the shital. And the mysticism is a path by which the personality uh, discovers through direct experience the true nature of self. So it's, it's, it's not intellectual, it's not philosophical, it's not conceptual, it's by a direct mystical experience of one's own true divine nature. So it's like water meet, meeting water, or when, when rain falls into the ocean, the rain becomes the ocean. So when we fall into the ocean of spirit, we discover that we are spirit and we were never really the drops that are flying around. And that's the mysticism, that's the mystical process. If, if you don't have that mystical process, you'll remain at ritual uh, and you'll remain at myth. And it, when you won't be able to discover what the myth and the ritual is actually pointing towards. So if, if the finger is pointing towards the moon, don't look at the finger, look at the moon. And so the, the myth and the ritual is pointing towards the moon. And then if we look towards the moon, then we discover that actually the moon is actually us being reflected in the myth and the ritual. So is there a creation story underneath, under, under that myth? Yes, actually in ancient Egyptian mythology, there are, there are various ways of understanding the creation through the various shetaut. Shetaut means mystery. And a, a Shetaut is aligned with a particular city. So if you have Shetaut Anu, that's the mystery, the mysteries from the city of Anu, which the high divinity of Ra. If you have uh, Shetaut Waset, that's the mysteries from the city of Waset, the high divinity Amun. If you have Shetaut Menefer, that's the mysteries from the city of Menefer with the high divinity Ptah. If you have Shetaut Netrit, that's the mysteries of, of the, the goddess system. And Amun-Ra and Ptah, they themselves have their own trinities uh, and, 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 own, and they have their own divinities under them and, and they have their own temple system and temple process. So each one of these Shetauts uh, uh, look at creation from a certain particular angle to comport with a particular psychological disposition that comes into the world. So the, if you have one creation story or one way of looking at creation, uh, then you will not be able to, uh, to uh, provide for a certain psychological disposition. For example, Shetaut Menefer is very psychologically based. Fatah creates by the mind, by thinking creation into existence. 
uh, and Shetaut Anu is very mythologically based. Uh, uh, Ra creates by like, this whole elaborate process. And so for some people, it's better for them to understand through this whole elaborate process of, of Kepada turning himself into these forms of creation. While for some people, it is easier for them to understand through the idea that, that the creator thinks creation into existence and manifests the, the parts of creation. So the, the specific creation, and this is a great act of compassion on the sages that they were able to, to devise systems to provide for the various psychological dispositions and the various modes of suffering that actually manifest in the world of time and space. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a vast civilization over a vast period of time, you're going to have various kinds of personalities that come into the world. So you have to be able to provide for them. And so, yes, the, the, the create, there, there are various types of creation stories looking at creation from a certain particular angle, but they're not contradictory. They're aspects of the same uh, creative process. Mm. If we can call it that, there's a creation is, is uh, we're talking about spirit, creation is, can be seen as a process. If you really look at creation, creation is, is, is really a, a temporal idea or material concept of the mind. So creation doesn't actually exist. Mm. So the, the 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 information comes almost through inspiration in a sense because they had to get they had to it came from somewhere right like they the 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 scribes that came up with these creation stories it came out of their brain which had to be inspired by something to then produce that well it came out of their their investigation and their 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 experience so, so it's, it's like a, a an investigatory process into the nature of being and from and that and that nature of being is the divine that, that's nebuchadnezzar all encompassing divinity divinity of the limits and so that the inspir if we the, the epiphanies and the inspirations comes from the source and then, and that it comes from the source through an investigation into the source and how the source manifests itself in, in the, the complex nature of creation. Mm. So if you, so investigating the divine reveals the pathway of the divine. Okay. And so is, can you speak a bit about the value system that under undergirds that um, the concept of mod, if you will, or um, however you would put that, that is kind of holding together what it is that people um, govern their lives by in terms of um, having good character and um, going deeper into fulfilling what it is they came here to fulfill. Definitely, it, uh, indeed, it's Ma'at. So, so Ma'at is a, a cosmic principle uh, she's a divinity, and she's a philosophy, and her philosophy is the basis upon which we guide our lives to lead to, to truth, to lead to righteousness of heart, which uh, uh, reveals the awet ab, meaning the expansion of heart, the expansion of mind, the, through, through truth. Through her principle and her philosophy of righteousness and order, we're able to expand ourselves to discover the source of her, which is her herself. So Ma'at is a principle that underlies the, 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 the whole entire civilization. And Ma'at is actually the principle that underlies the whole initiatory path. So, so without Ma'at, there can be no, there can be no initiatory path. There can be no 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 temple ritual. Uh, there, there can be no a temple submersion. So she is the power behind the mystic movement of the soul. Hmm. Okay. 
So if someone is interested, so for me, some of this is over my head. Some of it I definitely understand or overstand. Um, if someone has an interest, where would you say they should start? Um, is there a book or something that you would say would be a starting point on that would help them on this journey of discovering and understanding the practice? Yes, so uh, we have uh, Kemet University uh, and, and uh, Dr. Ashby has written many books on ancient Egyptian uh, civilization and mystical philosophy. Um, and you can find those books on Amazon. Uh, you can also, uh, if you want to, you can also join our group on Saturday mornings uh, and the classes that we give. And so uh, those are places where you can start the, the inquiry. In my experience um, with the group in Egypt, it seemed very holistic. There was holistic. There was so much involved. One of the things that um, I that that kind of was part of my transformation was the way in which we ate and eating a very clean diet. Can you speak on that and the connection to what you eat and your connection to spirit and the divine? Right. So you have you have uh, your body is you know they say your body is your temple. So you have to you have to you have to purify on three levels. You, you have to purify the body, to adopt a, a vegan diet, uh, and and that includes taking out the fish, the poultry, the uh, the, the milk you know the cow milk products and so forth. Uh, and, and then you have your, your, so that's your diet for your body. So you, so you have to, you have to purify the body, uh, make the body supple, uh, because when you start practicing, your body have to be able to, uh, to handle certain forces, certain energies that will start to move through your body. So your body have to be in a place that that can take place. And then you have. Uh, a diet for the mind. It's wisdom, teaching, philosophy, meditation, to purify the mind, uh, to purify the unconscious. And then you have your, your, your diet for the soul. And that's, that's uh, deeper understanding and, and deeper experience of the, the, the deeper aspect of the human personality. So if, if, if we want to, to grow spiritually and we are still eating meat, especially the way how animals are treated in this society, this culture, uh, and that we're ingratiating negative energies, it's on ma'at, it's, it's not a righteous way to handle animals. It, it brings disease to the body and you don't know what you're, you're eating. You don't really know what you're getting. Uh, if you want to take in alcohol, you'll be destroying your body while trying to build it up and, 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 and you'll be uh, causing a stupor, dullness in the mind. Uh, if you take in sugars, you, you might be setting yourself up for cancers later and, and so forth. So you have to turn your diet into a diet that helps to bring true health to the body. So you have to make the body green. You have to powerize your body. So you have to make your body green and red, with pomegranate juice and so forth. Uh, and the uh, and, and red grapefruit. So you have to powerize and you have to, to energize the body, to cleanse and cleanse out and purify the system. And so for yourself to align your body with truth, with ma'at. And so that your spiritual process, at least those physical inhibitions, you, you can put those to the side, or at least deal with, with them effectively. Okay. You know, one of the things I found intriguing um, being in, in the various places in Egypt was the science and the technology um, that we don't necessarily think of as science and technology. There was an exactness in a lot of 
the different things that we experience. For instance, the number of steps leading up to the temple and that had a purpose and the placement of different things in the temple and um, how long it would take to get to the inner sanctum and things of that. Everything had a had a meaning and an exact science and um, it, even the different um, pictures that we saw on the walls, you know, I'm remembering the 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 picture of the 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 mind and the 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 fluttering of the mind and the need to get the mind under control and not have the mind just being all over the place. Um, can you speak to the power of and the and the the purpose behind the deliberate um, put placing of science and technology into building up? Uh, these different concepts that, in a way that people can study and understand as they work their path to um, being or knowing themselves? Yes, that's a, a very big question that a lot of people have, the, the tech, technological feat uh, that was performed there and the, the exactness of the, the architecture. And so you, you Look at it this way, if, if creation is a certain way, if there is blood in your, in your arteries instead of water, if gravity, if, if, if gravity is a constant force in your life, and how do you replicate that exactness, that precision, that exactitude? Uh, and because when you're replicating it that way and you're being very exact and everything has a cosmic purpose with a, 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 uh, a, a deep uh, magnetic uh, capacity to allow you to enter into the temple matrix, it has to be performed, it has to be built in a certain way to resonate with your mind and your deeper feelings. And it has to be done in a way to allow you to see the, the physical structure of the temple is sort of like a map to the mind and how the, the pathway that you have to go through, the struggles that you have to face and the capacities of your personality that you have to develop to enter into the inner shrine. And so it takes exactness to bring that out to have a certain effect on your feelings, on your, your, your visual perception, on your sense of space, on your sense of, 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 of uh, spatial awareness, and your sense of time. And so, as you know, as you've, uh, as you've seen in, in the front of the temple, it, it, the, the floor is, is lower than the back of the temple. And so that, and the, the roof comes down. So the floor goes up and the roof comes down. And that's, that's designed to create a certain psychic effect. And so the, the, the architecture is designed as a map to the mind and to have an effect on your mind, your feelings, your capacities, your sense of space and timing. Okay. If you don't have that effect, then you'll, you'll, you'll People will just be thinking that they're learning things, but they won't be going, getting into their feelings. Uh, they won't be getting into their psyche. Their, 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 their unconscious will not be being titillated in the proper manner for them to bring out the deep unconscious impression that propels a forward spiritual movement. Mm. Mm. Each person has their own individual path that they have to ultimately figure out. Well, they have their own individual pace and their own individual time and their, their own individual capacity. And so in that sense, yes, but the path is the same. The capacity of the individual will vary, uh, but the temple remains. Mm. Okay. okay. Are you, when you look at the different um, religions that exist, um, are there pieces that have been taken that you can see evident in the various um, traditions that exist in the world? Indeed. Uh, I take the, the, the Madonna and a child in Christianity. 
for example, uh, that's uh, Peru and 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 uh, the goddess of Set. Uh, and you see this wonderfully in Paris when I, I went to the Chartres Cathedral in Paris, and you see the baby Jesus sitting on the lap of of the, the Mother Mary. And that's and and that's ancient Egyptian iconography uh, coming over into that into that system. Mm -hmm. You see Haru sitting on the lap of of Aset and suckling at her her breast and so forth. But we cannot we cannot say that they're following the same principle or they're following the same path or they're following the teaching in the same way. Because uh, certain corruptions have come in, certain misunderstandings have come in, uh, mysticism have been taken out. You, see, you mostly see the, the myth, and you may see uh, some ritual, and but you don't see a, a full mystic process. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and going back to your question, which ties into this, there is a uh, a special text of, that's called the Kabbalion, and one of the principles of the Kabbalion Kabbalion is, is vibration. Everything moves, everything vibrates. So if you don't have the, the proper temple system with the threefold process of religion, you will not have the proper vibrations being developed in the mind that allows the person to move forward to discover the true essence of self, which is the underlying spirit. Mm. So you, you may have uh, a certain religions that have certain like sprinklings, but they don't have the whole, the whole temple system. They don't have the, the whole vibration that goes along with the whole mystic process. Mm. Good, good. So we're gonna um, give some of our, we're, we have a live audience today, which is, <laughs> which is new for us. And we're gonna give uh, some of our audience members an opportunity to come off mute and ask questions if they like. Um, and then we're going to also ask you to say a little bit about what the study process is for someone who um, is interested in um, doing a, a tour with you and, and kind of all of the different things that um, they would, uh, the benefits of it, I guess. Is, is what I would get at. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll let some folks answer, ask some questions and we'll have you um, answer that as well. The, the tombs of the pharaohs. There's a special text that's called the Abdullah that the group who have been studying with me have, we have been studying that text for three years now. Mm. So we're going to go on an on-site study and lecture series uh, of that text. Um, and so, as you know, when we did the, the, the medical uh, tour, we went to sites in a, in a particular order, in a particular sequence. Mm -hmm. Similarly, uh, this tour, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to take it in a particular order, in a particular sequence. And the crescendo is going to be when we're actually in the tombs exploring that text and talking about it in detail to the capacity that we, we, we can, depending upon what is there and when we get there. So hopefully uh, when we get there, there you know, the, the tourism is still low. There's not a lot of people. So we're gonna take our time going through the sites and so forth. Mm -hmm. I think it's gonna be a, a 10 day tour. Okay. Um, and, we'll, uh, and you and, and Glenda are, are welcome to come and join us again. Of course, of course. Yeah, it was such a such a wonderful experience. What would you say is the biggest um, uh, kind of inspiration that you've got from doing this study? It's an interesting question. The uh, the biggest inspiration that I get, when I'm always there, when, when, so if you're talking specifically about being there, uh, when I'm there, the, the inspiration is, is the divine. There is nothing, there's nothing else. Mm. There's the divine in, in, in its many forms, many configurations, its many teachings, in, in its many uh, uh, 
philosophical nuggets that are there. So all that is, all that it does is inspire uh, divinity into because in in uh, the usual way of looking at these things, people say that divinity or they have the idea, the conceptual idea that divinity is somehow a separate from themselves. There is a divinity, but the divinity is a separate entity. Uh, but when you're walking through the temples and you're you're sailing along the line, the Nile and so forth, it it reinforces the reality that that you are that divinity. Mm. The, 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 the Prada, you are the Pharaoh. You are the one making the offering to the divinity. And the divinity is the one that is reciprocating to you. That is giving you um, that is giving you was that's giving you snap. You are the recipient of that. So you are that divine being within the temple. Mm. And so that's the inspiration. The inspiration is is divinity. You're giving to yourself. You're yes. inspiring yourself. And it's it's like a, a reciprocal circular pattern, um, it seems. Yes, in, in, a, in a certain context, yes, that is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. Uh, it was a very powerful experience for me. I, um, I can say that out of all my travels, my visit on, to Egypt on the tour with your group um, made more impact on my life than so many other trips that I've ever taken. And there's not a day that goes by now that there isn't something that I learned there that I, um, like every day I use some of what I learned. Um, and most of it is just working on me, but I use a lot of that and I'm very grateful for that experience. Mm -hmm. No problem. No yeah. problem. Yeah. And, and want more people to have that experience. Yes. Um, I think it's something that not a lot of people know about, but I think um, can, once you start learning about it, it, you know, resonates with your spirit. And we talk about tapping in the spirit. It resonates with your spirit and allows you to go deeper within, um, as you've alluded to. And so um, it's very, very powerful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's our um, Ankh curtains there. You can see that. Very nice. <laughs> Remember the fabric. the fabric we got in. Um... Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, can you give some information about how people can get in touch with you um, and um, connect with you? So the, the email is sehuank at gmail.com. Um, Telephone number is 340-473-6162. And the website is cometicyogaassociation.com. Cometicyogaassociation.com. Oh, we didn't we didn't speak about yoga. Um, can you just That's say- That's all we've been speaking about. Yeah. yeah. That's all we've been speaking about. Hmm. <laughs> I think you're meaning the poses and the postures. Sure. Okay. Is there a way for the poses and the postures? Can you speak a little bit about the importance of, of those? You know, yoga is something just, a lot of people are into yoga now, but most people don't appreciate where it came from. Can you say a little bit about that? Yes. So in the, the Temple of Asar, there is a, a, a shrine to... Uh, to Seti, who is one of the, uh, the the divine principles in the in the temple, and in there, uh, Lord Jehuti talks. Lord, Lord Jehuti makes a, a very big statement. Actually, Lord Jehuti says that that Simatawi or yoga is being given to this person, to this royal, to this spiritual aspirant 
for that aspirant to achieve makiru, meaning spiritual enlightenment. And simatawi is the comedic word that would equate to yoga. So we're saying that he's giving yoga to this person for this yoga to allow this person to achieve spiritual enlightenment. Uh, but he, but the, the implication is a full program of yoga. Hmm. So the system of postures is under the Ma'at-Ari and, and the, the, the meditative movement, meditative practice. Uh, but, but that's only one aspect of the yoga system. You also need rec, which is the, the wisdom teaching. You also need washu, which is devotion. You need ua, which is meditation. You need ma'at-ari, which is which is righteous action. And you take those four together and you blend them. You blend them with your yoga physical postures, meaning you're doing each of those in some measure, little by little, day by day. And so you, you're taking all of those systems and you're like putting them into a blender and turning the blender on and shaking it up. Well, actually what you're doing is that you're blending the, the four aspects of your personality that they that they those uh, practices target and and you're you're blending them together in yourself and through that blending of these four systems within yourself you're actually moving towards the the true meaning of yoga which is to yoke to the divine mm. Mm. so the postures is one aspect of the total system of right. what is meant by yoga and that's what I'm so it's much more involved in this contemporary understanding of what yoga what the practice of yoga is agreed and it's not only a bad understanding it's a degradation mm. of philosophy and the teaching of yoga practice because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. people are doing it for, for physical aesthetics but but they're not worried about their aesthetics of their mind or the aesthetics of their soul right they're leaving that corrupted and polluted and working on the, the most dense, corruptible, degraded aspects of themselves to try to make that look good. Uh, but then they have like a garbage bin for their mind. Mm -hmm. And so they're practicing yoga, uh, but they're still messed up. Right, because the insides aren't practicing as well. And that's mm -hmm. just as important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like the way you put that. You. Mm -hmm. We had one question here. Um, can you please mention some additional common influences seen around the world, be it in myth, architecture, or practices? <laughs> Do I? Read that again. Could, can you please mention some additional common influences seen around the world, be it in myth, architecture, practices, etc.? Well, the, uh, the, the early Buddhists, uh, some of the early Buddhists actually traveled to Egypt and to the city of Manapra. And they have a, a special kind of teaching that's called mind, mindfulness meditation. Mm. And mindfulness meditation is very close to the ancient comedic witnessing consciousness meditation. In the, in the, the early stages, the preliminary stages of the practice is very similar, if not identical how to ascertain the object and how to, to uh, uh, view the object uh, separately from the mind and so forth. Uh, so that, that is very, this is very close. Uh, 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 another one, the idea, one of the interesting ones that I found was that the, the Shaolin monks in, in China, mm -hmm. the, the martial arts, and the, the martial arts is an inseparable aspect of their Buddhist religious practice. And in ancient Kemet, you find that the, the seka, meaning the, the, the stick fighting warrior athletes, uh, and the, the whole process is very close. Uh, martial arts is used to assist a person to help them to sublimate their own ego through the practice of the art of, of fighting. 
and how to, there's a teaching that says uh, uh, emotions and feelings are, are poor masters, are good servants, but poor masters. Mm. And there, there's a, a, a wonderful teaching about this. There's a, uh, like a samurai warrior and so, someone killed his, uh, his master. So he went to, to deal with the one that killed his master. You know how the, the Kung Fu movies are. Right. And so he went to, to, to deal with this one that killed his master. And uh, before he, he can engage in battle with him, he, he spat in his face. The guy spat in his face. And he went there to kill him, but the guy spat in his face. So he took his sword and he put it back in the sheath and he walked away. And asked, you went there to, to kill this guy to kill your master. Why did you do that? He said, because him spitting to me in my face made me angry. And if I had engaged in a battle at that point when I was angry, it would have disrupted the whole purpose of engaging in the battle. And so the, the, the whole idea of, of the, the warrior athlete is to subdue the inimical uh, and, and, and dense emotions and feelings of anger and hatred and so forth. So that's an, another one. You can look at the Shaolin monks, you can look at the ancient Egyptian sect, uh, the warrior uh, athletes. And then in, in, in India, uh, in, uh, in India with the, the, the pantheon of gods and goddesses, they have the Brahman, they have Vishnu, Shiva, Shiva Ganesh. And so they, they have a pantheon of divinities. And in the comedic system, you also have a high divinity with their pantheon of divinities and so forth. So the, the influences run through and the, the influence into the Yoruba, Yoruba tradition as well, with the, the different divinities under the one of Dala and you have all of the others and so forth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you so much, dear. That, that's um, there's a lot that we have to yet to learn, and um, people we have to encourage people to get off the surface and think more deeply about these concepts and and more critically about them um, as they are walking their own paths and recognizing their own divinity, which I think is one of the key key things that you know I take away from um, thinking about this conversation. Uh, certainly that that uh, teaching about being able to sublimate the anger if someone spits in your face is is um, very, very powerful. And I would say there aren't many people that would be able to <laughs> walk away. I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I keep meditating. That's all you have to do. <laughs> I'm working on it. It's interesting this morning. Um, I sent someone a quote about how you have to be able to let go of who you are and able to, to be able to become who you want to be. And I think for so many of us, that's the thing that keeps us stuck is we want to hold on to what we know, what we are, what we're accustomed to, and being able to let go of that um, can be challenging. Mm -hmm. And having this conversation, you know, that was something that you mentioned. And it seems like every day something like that will come up. Mm -hmm. That's a, a very yeah. interesting concept. Yeah, I think it's scary for a lot of people. Because um, you gotta you let go and you're 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 in a space where you don't have a it doesn't appear to be a foundation, but that's where the growth comes from. Right by learning new things and being able to um, take another step outside of your comfort zone um, is where the growth really happens. So, and there's the spiritual, the authentic spiritual process. If you 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 should be letting go and seating in something, and seating in something higher, letting go and seating in something higher. But if there is no realization that there's something behind what you're letting go, then you can feel like you're lost in the wind. But that I would say that that's a kind of a, a discombobulated spiritual movement. Mm. So you have to be led gradually, 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 so that people can let go of their ideas of who they think they are, right, and start to discover who they truly, mm -hmm. who they truly are. 
for what they truly are. Well, again, we want to thank you so much for enlightening us and bringing this information and knowledge um, to our um, population here. And we want to encourage all of our listeners to continue to be critical thinkers as you stretch your, your minds and stretch your hearts and your, your spirit to really tap into spirit on, on another level. Uh, we brought another range of information and hope you'll take it in and um, use it and continue to grow and evolve on your spiritual path. So we'll say thank you once again, and we'll go ahead and sign off until next time. I'll continue on your path to tapping into spirit. Peace. Yeah, talking about spirit. So in closing, we'd like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive, and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. And I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.